So, Lord, we thank you for this morning, for the worship. Thank you, God, that uh, we, Lord, we've sensed your presence here. And we need you, Lord. We need you. Israel needs you. America needs you. Our children need you, Lord. Father, just come and invade this place even in these last, last 30 minutes or so, Lord, we pray for the fire of heaven to fall, just as we sang. Lord, that everyone in this place, those that are watching, would have an encounter with heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Charles Finney, he was a Presbyterian. How many of you were Presbyterians in your day? Anybody? My wife was a Presbyterian. But he was, um, you know, one of America's great evangelists to, to, used in the Second Great Awakening. Here's what he said. He said, if immorality prevails in the land... The fault is ours in a great degree. If there is a decay of conscience, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the public press lacks moral discrimination, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the church is degenerate and worldly, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the world loses its interest in religion, the pulpit is responsible for it. If Satan rules in our halls of legislation, the pulpit is responsible for it. If our politics become so corrupt that the very foundation of our government are ready to fall away, the pulpit is responsible for it. And I would just say yes and amen to Charles Finney's words. You know, I, I do want to address what's happening, but do you know of all we need in this hour. It's God's word, God's ways, and God's works. We need to see what he's doing, what the hand of God is doing beyond what the hand of man. How many of you know you can't trust what the media is telling you? Can I tell you how much you can trust how much the media is telling you? Probably not. You know, when I held my fingers together earlier, it's probably less than that. But anyway, I want you to go with me to First Chronicles chapter 29. But how many of you also know that, that whatever the enemy has planned for evil, God can turn it around for good? And that's our hope. That's our trust. And I just want to share some things and throw them out this morning. We need to know so that we can face these days with great boldness. Say boldness and courage. You know, you don't want to be one that runs to your closet. Now, you want to run to pray, but you don't want to live in the closet. You know, I'm, since I'm just kind of, as he brings these thoughts to my mind, I had a thought I remember when I was in the eighth grade, I was one of the little guys, and the initiation for coming to the, the school there was you would be run up the flagpole. They would uh, put you on the flagpole with your belt and run you up, and because I was one of the lighter ones, I knew... I knew they were going to pick on me. I'm going to confess this. I don't know if I've ever shared this, but I hid in the janitor's closet for probably a month. I mean, I didn't stay 24 hours a day, but during recess, for a long period of time, everybody went outside. I ran to the janitor's closet because I didn't want to be run up the flagpole. 
So I'm finally getting that off my chest. That's where I was. They were looking for me. And anyway, I could just imagine. I wish the janitor had come in and opened the door during that time. I would have scared him to death. But anyway, look with me in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Therefore, now this is King David. He said, blessed be the Lord. Bless the Lord before all the assembly. Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. For yours, O Lord, is the greatness. Say greatness. The power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. Say, you reign, Lord. You reign over all, and in your hand is power and might, and in your hand it is to make great. America needs to hear that in this hour. It's not any individual. It's in the hand of God to make a nation great or to overthrow that nation. How many of you know that? That's what the Scriptures confirm. And to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. Now, look down in verse 15, right at the end of that. Here's what David says. He says, our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. Our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. Now, was David backtracking on all that he had just said? No, not, not at all. He was, he was trumpeting how God is exalted, how God is eternal, but he was also reminding us that you and I are limited. We're only here for a very short time. And it's, it's kind of like what Paul said. Remember, he said, if our hope is only in this life, we're all men most miserable. How many of you remember he said that? So we have to have a hope that is eternal. If your hope is only in what you see, you're going to be greatly disappointed in this hour. In fact, hope that is seen is not necessarily hope at all. We live not by what we see. We live by faith. And in this hour, the just are going to have to live by faith. You say you have faith. Guess what? You're going to get a chance to prove it in the days to come. We're going to find out who those, the faithful are and those who are the faithless. But we want to have our hope. You know, there's a scripture over in Ephesians 2. You can tell I put a lot of this together this morning and because uh, I'm just saying, God, you better speak because uh, you have the answers. I know enough to know. I don't know what I ought to know, but I know you who knows it all. So you got to bring these things to my mind. But Ephesians chapter 2, it says, if, basically, if you are in the world without God in this hour, you're without hope. But if you're with God in the world, then you have great hope. And your hope springs eternal. And that's we are with, as with a nation as well. You know, when the righteous are in authority, what are the people going to do? They're going to rejoice. If the wicked are in authority, the people are going to moan. I'm telling you, there's some moaning going on when I knew, and I, because it's coming out, because they can't hide these things. Now, I know not everything that comes out is, is the truth. Because we've learned that the enemy throws some things out just to confuse us. And to get us walking in error. So, you have to get your information from heaven. But when I heard that, you know, it was the Ukraine that gave Hamas 
some of the weaponry, and we're the ones that supplied the, the money for the weaponry. You know, something doesn't add up. And you're going to have to realize that, that we have a, an ungodly nation as far as our leaders are concerned. And uh, we have a nation inside of a nation. We have a remnant. Now, we're the nation of God. And we're a holy nation, a royal priesthood. But as far as America's concerned, many of our leaders, have, they, they, they have their fist raised in the face of God in this hour. Now, one of my heroes, I've got a bunch of them. Some of you are some of my heroes. And because um, I just, I'm just one of the guys. I just wanted to do my part. I told the Lord, Lord, just use me in my part. But it doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm just going to get up and say what you say to say and then sit down when you've said it. And let God take the blame, you know what I mean? Because, um, I, I, Lord, if you said it, then I don't have anything to regret. But one of my heroes is Mario Morello. So I'm going to read a little bit. I don't know how I got this. Somebody sent it to me. But Mario, he's asking the question, is World War III about to happen? And he says, as many nations are existential threats to world peace right now. I mean, there's a lot of nations. China, Iran, North Korea, you know, Russia. What's this new weapon that Russia has? We have nothing compared to what they have. You know that, don't you? They have this Satan, what is it called? The Satan II, the Sarmat, whatever it is. Probably appropriately named. But anyway, the central, here's what Mario says, the central danger to the world right now, right now lies somewhere else. Guess where it lies? It's with the moral condition of the United States. He said, if you want to know where the fuse to World War III is located, look no further than to America. Said, we were a nation that once honored God. Now we shake our perverted fist at him. We were freedom's last firewall, but now we're honoring evil. And anyway, he said, the nations know, the nations of the earth now know what the big problem is. You remember the book of Jonah? Okay, so Jonah runs from the presence of the Lord, goes down into the ship. When you run from the presence of God, you're always on your way down. You're on your way to, to where you'd rather not go and rather not be, and you don't want to be there very long. But the nations know that America has turned its back on God. I mean as a whole. Does that make sense? Not all of us, but as a whole, we have to be honest. Who was it that was the cause of the storm on the ship in Jonah's day? Jonah. Jonah was the culprit. And they knew that somehow if, if God would deal with Jonah, then somehow the storm would begin to cease. And anyway, in Mario's reminding in this article, he says, Then the men were exceedingly afraid, and they said, Why have you done this? Speaking to Jonah. For they knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord. And then he goes on, he says, the decision about World War III will not be made in the Middle East, but from the prayer closets of America. He says, American leaders are too busy. I'm just going to say it the way I'd say it, Mario. I like the way you said it, but this is the way I would say it. Our leaders today are too busy causing gender confusion, yeah. 
and trying to wreck the economy with their stupid policies, they don't have time to try to fix the world that's in chaos. So the only hope is you and me. It's the church of Jesus Christ. You know, if I understand correctly, everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken, except the kingdom of God. Well, where is the kingdom? Is it the church down the street? Is it the church that has the prayer chapel down the road? How about, the, uh, about this? No, it's the, the kingdom is where? It's right inside of us. Anyway, says the wars going on throughout the world, they put our leaders into a new light. Our politicians are not only crooks, they are warmongers. I say amen, and then he said, now I'm going to let him say this, because if he said it, I can get away with it. He said, lukewarm preachers are no longer just compromised. They're a distraction and basically a national disgrace. They become irrelevant. I'm glad Mario said that. He said, the decision about World War III is not going to be made over there. It's going to be made here. And that's why we began today with prayer. You know, there's a scripture that says, you, Lord, are the one that causes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. Now, you and I are to be peacemakers, right? I know some of our politicians, they want war. They want nuclear war. Some of them are using words that you would think they're absolutely insane. And the truth is, they are. But we've got to speak a different language. And in fact, you know what I've been reading? Can I just be real? Yeah, that's, I guess I can be real. We need to tear up some stuff. Hey, Jerry, you're talking about shaking. We need to be shaking today. The church should be trembling this morning. Churches that are carrying on this day normal as if everything is okay, I just wonder where they are in the spirit because things are not okay. They're not okay. But as I was looking, I've been reading through the Kings and the Chronicles. When the enemies came in and when they invaded the land, it wasn't the enemies that were their problem. It was their God that was the problem because they rebelled against God. They resisted God. They said no to God. And so God stirred up the heart of the enemies and then the enemies invaded the land of God's people. Why? To destroy them? Well, it would be if they didn't turn back to him. The purpose was because it was God's love to rattle their chains so they would turn back to him, their only hope. Does that make sense? In fact, 2 Chronicles 25, 8 says, For God has power to help, and he has power to overthrow. We got to remember who sits on the throne, who's reigning and ruling above all in this hour. And uh, I thank God it's not Washington. Washington can participate, but it's God Almighty in the heavens. Now, you know, we've been talking about, this is how I want to tie some things together over the last few weeks, and now I know why God put that in my heart. The title was, Are You Ready for What's Coming? Are you ready? Because I have some news for you this morning. It's not coming anymore. It's here. We told you that months ago. It's not coming. If you're just living by what's coming, you're missing who's here right now. The Lord's in our midst. 
And there, there's great things happening all around us. Now think about Matthew chapter 24. We'll go there in just a moment. And they were asking the Lord, okay, Lord, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? How many of you would like to know some of those signs in this hour? Now you remember, now we've talked about this many times, but the first one was what? Take heed that what? That no one deceive you. Have you seen, do you think there's any deception in America today? I, um, we had a call called the, the Mighty Men Prayer Call. And I, I was faithful to lead that prayer call for years. And now some other people are leading that call. But, but I still keep up with what they say and what they're praying. And, and uh, you know, it comes a time you just turn it over to a younger person and do other things. But anyway, there's a guy from Nigeria and he's one of the major prayer. I'm telling you, you'd love this guy. He'd fit in with your class. He's a mighty intercessor. And he was just reminding us. He sent a little blurb out last night. Hey, mighty men, don't be fooled. You've got to be discerning. Cry out for discernment in this hour. Not everything the media is telling you is the truth. And we know that, that there's deception in my own opinion, the media probably is one of the greatest threats to our freedoms today. Because it's not deception that sets a nation free, it's the truth. The truth sets you free and it keeps you free. Right? You depart from the truth, you've departed from the road to liberty. And you've gotten off, you've gotten into error. And so you can expect deception. There's deception in our schools. Our highest institutions of the land, you know, deception. Deception in government, deception in our churches. You know, when you make your doctrines more important than the Word of God, then you've led the people into deception, regardless of what your doctrines are. I'm glad a long time ago something happened in me. I was brought up Southern Baptist, but something happened. I loved God more than I loved my denomination. And it caused a lot of trouble. I remember one time I was, um, I was in Mississippi. I think I shared this at the meeting the other day or whenever it was. And this is in Mississippi. There's still things going on there. They don't, still a lot of stuff happening. It's happening everywhere. But anyway, I was going to preach one Sunday on the sin of racism. And so I put it on a billboard in front of the church, and I had it big, you know, the sin of racism. And anyway, the mission, and I'm just going to tell you what happened. The missions director paid me a visit in my office. Now, I'm in a Baptist church at that time, Calvary Baptist Church. I'm not going to tell you the name of the city, but I'm in there minding my own business, and the mission director shows up. He says, young man, if I were you, I'd take that sign down out there. Because if you don't, you're going to get cut. And my thought was, cut? What do you mean cut? What does that mean? You're going to cut my throat? You're going to cut my legs out from under me? You're going to cut me from the church? What does it mean? All I know, I looked at him. I'd been around Morningstar long enough to remember this scripture that Rick drilled in us in our younger days. He said, if I seek to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So I told him that. 
And he looked at me like I was in a heap of trouble, and then he walked out. I never got cut. Well, at least not that week. It was, took a little bit longer. <laughs> anyway, hey, don't worry about being cut. Now look over in Matthew chapter 24. I don't even know why I told you that story. Except you can't fear men in this day. Everybody that fears man, it's going to become known. Everybody that fears God, it'll become known as well. They have no fear but fear of God. If you fear God, you won't fear what's happening out there. All the threats, the threats that are mounting against you. Man, I'm t- how many of you sense there's a boldness like you've never known before? There's a courage. This must be real. This gospel must be real, and the truth is it is. Okay, so then Jesus went out, verse 1. He departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. Now, that's interesting. He departed from the temple. He's ready to move on, but they, they wanted him to make sure you look back at just where you came from and the structure of what all this temple is going to, you know, made of, of what men have built, in other words. And uh, I think Jesus, you know, he wanted to get them off of what men had built. He was trying to get them focused on a kingdom that, that only he himself could build. Remember, he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Can I make a prediction? Every church out there, in the, wherever, in the world, I'm including myself, every ministry, every church that was began by, you know, the initiative of, of a man or a woman is going to crumble in this hour. But every ministry and every church that he began is going to stand. That's how you're going to know. How else are you going to know which is real, which is not? But anyway, Jesus said in verse 2, Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Everything you see, assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another, and that shall not be thrown down. In other words, he's just kind of getting a head start of what was actually spoken of, prophesied in the Old Testament, but it's going to be repeated, the great shaking. Now, you know one of the reasons the nations are being shaken today is so that they'll return to the one desire of the nations. You know, every nation is really looking for Jesus Christ. Every child, every man, every woman, everything else is leaving you empty and dry. It's Jesus Christ alone that's going to give you the hope that you've been looking for. So they're, they're, they're being shaken, so they'll find their heart's desire. America's true heart's desire is Jesus Christ. He's the only desire, and we've got to keep sounding that alarm But then he says, uh, these things are going to be thrown down. Now, verse 3, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came. They said, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus said, take heed that no one deceive you. We've spoken about that. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. Now, many believe, and I'm one of them, that that is so much in the first person. Not only are they saying that, that, you know, that they are Christ, but they're going to say that he is the Christ. Now, how can that be? They're going to say he is Christ, but they are going to end up deceiving people. We'd have to get into that more and more. Some of you have to chew on that, but that's what he said. They'll say, I am the Christ, and they'll deceive many. But there are two things in verse 6. 
Number one is what? What's one of the signs? We saw deception. All right, what's number two? How many of you know? There it is in verse six. And you will hear of wars and what? Rumors of wars. How many of you have heard of rumors in the past? We heard things and they never materialized. And some of these things seem so real. That's why you can't just live off of the hearsay or hearsay, which is sometimes heresy. You got to hear on thus say the Lord. Does that make sense? It's not what they say. It's not what she says or he says. Not even what I say. You got to be like the Bereans. You got to know what he, he said. Thus saith the Lord. That's got to be your foundation. Well, I heard what Pastor David said. Oh, so what? That's not going to get you through anything. I know what thus saith the Lord is about my life, and you can withstand any shaking that comes your way. Does that make sense? Somewhere along the way, I learned that. You've got to hear God. I remember in seminary, I told you this. The professor that day said there's going to come a day. He was prophesying. But if anybody would have called it prophecy in the Baptist seminary, they'd probably been thrown out. But anyway, he stands up and prophesies. And he says, there's coming a day when back to the church, thus saith the Lord is coming back. And I'm in the back of the room thinking, Lord, here am I. Send me, Lord. I'm willing. I'm ready. I don't care if they throw me out of here. I'm ready. I want to know what thus saith. How many of you want to know what thus saith the Lord is? You got to live on that. So he says there's going to come wars, and then there's going to be rumors of wars. Now, they're real wars. And in this hour, you've got to hear from the Lord about what is happening. I'm going to talk about war in a moment, but I'm going to insert a little story to lighten things up. Is that okay? It's getting awful hot in here, God. Okay, you've got to hear God. You know sometimes the first thought that you receive is the Lord's voice. And then you have all these other voices coming around trying to talk you out of what God just spoke. Hearing the Lord is much more simple than what we make it. It probably begins with believing that my sheep hear my voice and another voice they will not follow. So if you believe that, you're way ahead of the game. Because some of you are wondering, do I really hear from God? Okay, I'm going to just share with you something that happened. I won't be much longer. You guys still with me? Okay, it's a summer, sunny day in southwest Pennsylvania. We're visiting Shirley's family. I don't know how long we'd been married. A few years, but we're visiting. This was about 15 years ago. Okay, so anyway, we're there. I'm going to do something really spiritual that morning. Me and Bobby, her brother, my brother-in-law, we're going to go play golf. G-O-L-F. That's it. Nothing spiritual. Just going to enjoy the day. So we head off down the road. We come to a stop because the traffic is backed up. And what we saw was there was a, an accident that had occurred in front of a uh, high school. And uh, the ambulance, the police, many were arriving on the scene a thought came to me that I should pray for the students that they should learn what they need to learn. So anyway, we, we stopped the car, and because you can't go anywhere, we want to get out. Because, you know, I'm thinking, well, maybe I can be of assistance here, you know. 
And so we're walking up, and there are at least three body bags. The coroner has gotten there, and he opens his trunk. He takes out these sheets, and they're covering the bodies, whatever they're doing. And there's a bunch of students that are along the fence. There's a school. They're all watching. And I had this brilliant idea. I thought, you know, God, this could be incredible. What if I went over and prayed for one of those to get up? You said, lay hands on the sick. You said, raise the dead. I mean, that's the real gospel here. So, Lord, I'm, here am I. I'm going to go pray and raise up one of those kids from the dead. Could you, I told the Lord, I said, God, do you know what would happen in southwest Pennsylvania if one of those kids get up from the dead? As if he didn't know. But anyway, so I'm, you know, then I start thinking about this, and I hear a knock. No, there's nobody hammering. It's my knees begin to knock. (laughs) And I'm thinking, wait a minute, God, I don't know. Okay, now, did you give me a dream about this? Did I get a word of knowledge? Lord, can you speak a little louder? How about if I look up, maybe the sun will go dark for a moment. Anything, God, just anything. I'm willing. you got to speak a little louder to me. So anyway, I'm just going to confess. I chickened out. I chickened out. And so we got in the car, and about that time, they're diverting the traffic. I had to make a quick decision. My decision was go get in the car. So we got in the car. We go to the golf shop course, go into the you know, the pro shop there, and I asked the guy behind the counter, I said, hey, did you hear about the accident up there? And the, it looks like students had died, a number of students in this scene. He said, what accident? He said, that was no accident. That was a mock accident scene. Prom night is coming up the end of the week, and they're trying to teach the kids not to drink and drive. Now, when I heard that, my first thought was, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, God. I told the Lord, Lord, if I'd gone over and laid hands on one of those kids and they'd have got up, they'd have had to put me under that sheet. I said, God, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. That I did not make a fool of myself. He bailed me out. And then the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. He said, I told you. Right when you got out of the car, what to do? Pray that the students would learn what they're supposed to learn. You were looking for resurrection. I'm just looking for a little education. Some parent obviously prayed that their kid wouldn't drink and drive. And so I want them to get the message. And you could have participated with me, but you were looking for something far greater. Not that it was bad. Not not that it was bad, the resurrection, but that's not what he was doing. Not at all. And anyway, we got to hear God's voice. Maybe some of you will remember that. Now, are we going to come up on accident scenes in this hour? Absolutely. What do you think you've been groomed for? To sit in church all day? It's not going to happen. The greater one lives in you. Church is wherever two or more gather. You can gather in a barn, gather at your kitchen table, surely, and I have church every morning, don't we? We read the Bible, and we have our coffee, and 
And we, to me, we're two or more gathered. This place is just a place to celebrate, you know, to hear testimonies such as Jerry's powerful testimony and, and what God's doing in the nations. And then, you know, we want some instruction from the Word. But the real thing is out there. It's where you're going to go in just a few moments. But anyway, there's going to be wars and rumors of war. Let me just remind us of a few things about war, and then we're going to pray. And um, so he said, okay, let's go on and read that. And Jesus answered, said to them, take heed that no one deceive you. There'll be wars. Now, verse 7, for nation. No, let's back up in verse 6. You'll hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not, what? Troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. There'll be nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famine, pestilence, earthquakes, persecution, hatred, deception. You just go down the list. But none of these are going to impact verse... They're not, none of these are going to stop verse 14 from happening. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. So here are just a few things about war. Number one, see that you're not troubled. It means alarmed, terrified, or disturbed. Now, it doesn't mean we're not to pray against it. We should be praying against what the movers and shakers of the world antichrist system are up to. We're not just going to lay over and pray you know, play dead. Right, Brad? You're not going to just play dead. They're not God. Now, how many of you know there are some movers and shakers in the dominion of darkness? They have a strategic network, and that's been exposed. If you have any discernment in this hour, you see this network of deception and evil. It's called the spirit of Antichrist. I have a friend in Colorado, and I was going to bring him here, and it didn't happen quite yet, but he says he knows who the Antichrist is. And the more I think about it, I think he's right. And if he's not right, regardless, we're living, the Antichrist is sure, the spirit of Antichrist is every day prevalent everywhere where we go. So we're going to either have to overcome or be overcome. I vote to overcome. How many of you are there? I mean, the book of Revelation is not to those who were overcome, but those who overcome. You are more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer in this life, regardless of what comes our way. But the first thing is, you pray, you resist. Resist the devil, right? Draw near to God. That's number one. Resist the devil, and he will do what? He'll flee. So what if it's not resisted? In fact, now I'm not saying this is what's going on in Israel. I, I don't know, but I, I know it could happen here. If God is the one that stirred up the invading armies to get his people's attention, there may come some things in this nation that you might try to rebuke all you want, but it might not work. Because you may think you may not be thinking correctly. We have to have discernment. How many of you know God does get our attention? Is it because he hates us? No. Those whom he loves, he does what? He disciplines. 
If you're not under any discipline at any time, you're illegitimate. You don't belong to him. I hear people say America belongs to the Lord. Well, if we belong to him, then the discipline must come as a sign that we actually do belong to him. But when wars happen that you don't know where, you, you, can't, you don't have a filing cabinet to put it in, don't be alarmed, don't be terrified, don't be disturbed. Say, I'm not going to be alarmed. I'm not going to be terrified. I will not fear. I'm going to trust him. And then the next thing, these things must come to pass. Now, last night, as we started getting the information of what was happening in Israel, no, we were on the streets in North Wilkesboro. That's, yeah, we were, it was our turn. We were just sharing the gospel and doing the surveys and all. And anyway, so Shirley showed me the news. And, uh, but then later I got a word. Did you know the night before they had a meeting in Ohio at the Pierce's? No, no, no. Chuck Pierce was there. Sheets. It was at his sheet, Tim Sheets's church. And Dutch was there. And Chuck, that night, Friday night, gave a prophetic word that we're now entering into a war season. The night before this attack. And that that which is happening in the natural... Really, you know, we, we know it represents what's happening in the spirit, that the host of heaven now is beginning to line up. The great armies in the heavens are starting to get in their positions. So they've already been getting in their positions a long time ago, but now they're beginning to be released. So anyway, I thank God. God does nothing except that he first tells his, his secrets to his servants, the prophets. So if you just listen. Now you listen, but you... You know, you discern from the Scripture, but if what someone says happens the next morning, there's a good chance that person's probably heard from the Lord. And then the next thing, but the end is not yet. The end is not yet. Say, the end is not yet. Now, there are others that are saying, get ready, I'll fly away. You're getting to fly away. It may not happen as you've been taught may not happen as you've been taught at all. God is still God. And, um, and anyway, we had not got to verse 14 yet. Do you know there's more things to come? Are you ready? Are you ready? You say, well, what else is to come? All you got to do is read the word. Famine. Are you ready? Have you been obedient? Some of you have. You've been preparing. You say, well, I don't have enough. Since when could you have enough? The way I, this is a very simple thing. The way I've learned is you just obey God. Even your little is more than enough in the hands of God. So you give your little to him and he'll multiply it. And feed the multitudes. And you'll have plenty left over. How many of you think it might be a good time that we get to see the God that does this kind of stuff? The multiplication. The God that does things that are impossible with man. But they're possible with God. Persecution. Now, how many of you are looking forward to persecution? I don't hear many volunteers 
But do you know that was the calling card of the New Testament church? That's, how, that's what set them apart, is that they were the real thing. It's they were persecuted. Did you know that you, if you even desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, if you even think about it, you're going to suffer persecution. So why aren't you suffering persecution? Why isn't it happening? Well, maybe it will. But it doesn't matter. It's something I wrote down. These are the times that not only try men's souls, but will determine the destiny of men's and nations' souls. These are the days that will determine where the souls of men and women will spend eternity. So we got to be about doing our Father's bidding. Because all these things that are going to happen, they're just part in line of what Jesus said would happen, but nothing that we just read or we could quote and talk more about if we really wanted to that's going to happen is not going to prevent what we said would happen, and that is this gospel of the kingdom. So what's God looking for? Participants. You know, if you drink any deadly thing, then nothing, you know, shall harm you and all this. That's not just some blanket statement. It's given as a promise to those that are obeying God, doing what he's called them to do. If you're part of this great army that's getting ready to proclaim the gospel, now you don't have to do it from a pulpit. You don't have to do it on your back porch in front of your iPad. You can do it however you want to do it. The Lord gives you a means to do it. But if you're part of this army that's going to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, do you not think God's going to watch over you? If you drink any deadly thing while you're obeying his will, nothing. Behold, I give you authority to trample upon scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy. Was that given to those who sit back or those who step forward? Those who are stepping forward over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. We had a Zoom call this week. I'm going to wrap it up quickly, but you guys aren't in a hurry. I can tell. <laughs> you, you know, I'm having a lot of fun because, thank God, God showed up. Amen. It's always a fear that I have. God, what if I get up there and you're not around? I'm going home. That's what I just, I, Lord, I'm, I'm getting out. There's a back door right there. I'm getting out of here. I just think stuff like this. I'm just being honest with you. I still have a little boy fear in me, you know, that, God, you better show up. I'm dead meat if you don't come. They're going to chew me alive, God. No, they ain't going to chew you alive if I'm with you. So anyway, we're on a Zoom call. Wednesday, Thursday, I don't know what it was, but I got to share what God is doing in Uganda and Africa with another group. They're called Africa Neals. It's a worldwide group of people that are praying for revival in Africa. So they wanted to hear my story, and I was sharing with them. And it's an amazing thing that those guys are doing. Africa Neels, K-N-E-E-L-S. And I don't know, they look like a whole bunch of folks. But there was a lady on the call that had been to Moravian Falls. So I, I listened, you know, I shared what God was doing, and I listened, and she said, I've been to the falls. I've stood by your falls. 
I don't know where she was from in the world. There were two pastors from Uganda and Malawi. There was South Africa and just many different places. But she said, I've been to Moravian Falls. And she said, this is a word from the Lord. And I'm telling you, the gospel from Moravian Falls. You see, there's a lot of falls, rivers, streams throughout all the nations of Africa. And the gospel from Moravian Falls, it's going to travel through all of those waterways and flood the entire nation of Africa. And God's going to send a great revival. Anyway, that kind of got my attention. I said, God, this, maybe that's why the doors just open to preach in Africa every week. Lord, you up to something? God, you must be God. You ever told him that? Somebody told me one time, they said, you know, God does a great job of being God. Stop trying to take his place. Just get out of the way. I think Larry was speaking about that Friday night. Just get out of the way. Now do what you're called to do. Don't shrink back. But then get out of the way. But I'm just telling you, the greatest move of God, just like Larry shared, I'm telling you, I don't know what it's going to look like. All I know is the gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached in all the world. And then it ain't going to happen before the end. But there's one more thing about war, and this is where we'll quit. The greatest war going on right now. Do you know how many wars are happening in the world? Most, most of them our media is not reporting on because we're the ones behind it stirring the wars up. I'm sorry if some of you have great confidence in the governments of men. My confidence in the governments, confidence has gone a long time ago. My confidence is in the government of God. Every man, that scripture I've shared with you many times, let God be true and every man a liar. It's almost as if that's a real true statement. Every man seems to be a liar. Now they're not, and they, but if they disagree with God, they're in the, they're in the lying section. And I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust God. But the greatest war going on right now on the planet is in the hearts of men and women. In fact, that scripture, where is it in James? It said, where do fights and wars come from among you? Do they not come from your own passions and desire? Basically, for yourself to please, to, to, to run this course, you know, steer the ship in the direction you want it to go, what you think is the right way rather than surrender and yield to the, the plan and purpose of heaven. And that war needs to cease. That's the war. I believe God wants to come and bring peace. He wants to crush the war that's going on in the hearts of men and women all over the nations, all throughout the earth. And that battle was won at the cross, wasn't it? That's where it was won. The ultimate battle between sin of men and the righteousness of God. Anyway, I want you to leave today think, remembering this. It might get a little more hairy out there. If you, if you believe what Jesus said, I'm not going to be one of these, prop, you know, these prophets that tell you everything is rosy. They must have read a different Bible than I've read. Because I've been reading the Bible, I don't find much rosiness I just find hope in this world. If you have hope only in this world, you're of all men most miserable. 
but hope springs eternal. And that's what David, King David, after exalting God, bragging, God, you alone rule and reign in all of this. There's no hope in this world, but our hope is eternal. And it begins by surrendering to Jesus Christ. So if there's anything you're to remember, if it gets worse, and it is, it's going to only get better in here if you're rooted and found in him. The safest place to be in this hour is not Moravian Falls, North Carolina. It's not. Think of the furthest place to run to. Kalamazoo. Is there a real Kalamazoo? There is. Okay, don't run to Kalamazoo. It's real. I didn't know. I guess it is real. Of course it is. I don't know. Wherever you imagine you're going to run to. The safest place is in Christ. In Christ Jesus, we stand. In Christ. In Christ, the hope of glory. Man. So just be encouraged. You've been chosen for the hour. He could have chose somebody else. He chose you so that you'd be alive and be a part of Matthew 24 verses, all of those verses. You can skip them if you want. You can skip them. It's not going to matter. It's still going to happen. But in verse 14, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness through my people. And then, and not until then, the end shall come. So, Lord, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for helping, Lord. We need answers in this hour, and we are, we're more convinced than ever the answers are not in what comes from men or women. The answer comes from the Word of God. And we thank you that somehow you've given us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying in this hour. We thank you, God, that even in our temporary moments of foolishness, it's still true that we are your sheep, and your sheep hear your voice. And another voice we will not follow. We will follow the lamb wherever he goes. We will follow the one who has conquered. So, Lord, I pray right now you'd encourage the people in this room, those that are watching. And I know, Lord, we have many people that watch us from around the world because they're looking for answers. They're looking for hope. And I pray, Lord, that the, the God of all hope would come and invade their territories, their surroundings. Lord, I pray, uh, God, impossible situations would be suddenly the, the God of hope would invade that home and deliver and bring salvation. Lord, you're the one who does more than enough and you do more than all we could ever think, ever think or ask according to the power of God that works in us. Lord, there's some that are discouraged some that are fearful, some that are heavy laden, Lord, and we just come and dump all of our burdens onto you. How many of you know that's a good thing? Cast all your cares upon him. How many of you are casting some cares right now? Lord, I'm casting on you. I don't know what to do, but I know you. And if long as I know you, whether I know what to do or not, I'm in good hands. I'm in a good place. Lord, I pray for anyone watching right now that hasn't met Jesus. They've never surrendered their life. And I just want to lead you in a, in a prayer. Just say something like this. Say, Dear God, I need you. 
And there's someone here. There's the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. You just respond. Dear God, I need you. And I believe in Jesus. I believe and confess that he is the Son of God. I acknowledge my need of a Savior. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I turn, I change my mind, and I I make an about face from where I was going to where I'm going now. And I choose you. I choose to follow you as my Lord and Savior. And I call upon you at this moment for salvation. Entire nations are going to be praying that prayer in this hour. I'm telling you. Nations are going to come to him. It's going to be a glorious hour. If you prayed that, you need to just confirm it. You need to share with someone and let us pray for you and just help us, help you get on that, that path. But I want us to stand. We're going to go out singing this last song. We'll have some of our guys around the altar. If you'd like somebody to agree with you about anything. And uh, you guys look forward to next week. I'm telling you, Michael Fickus is a mighty man of God. He wrote the book on uh, Enoch. I believe God's given him a lot of revelation for the end time church. And um, it's going to be really good. In fact, it's always good when God comes in the house. How many of you found that to be the case? It's always good. God bless you. Come for prayer. Have a blessed Sunday.